Hey guys, this is Daniel Burnett, owner of Train Like a Ranger and Certified Strength and Conditioning Specialist. Welcome to the Train Like a Ranger podcast. Today I have a special guest, Chris Mackey. Chris is a shooting instructor and uh, and uh, we have an interesting story how we how we came to talking and came to meeting. So uh, we'll share that here pretty quick. So how are you doing, Chris? Good. Happy to be here. Grateful. Really appreciate it. Yeah, happy to have you. Um, so Chris is, uh, again, a shooting instructor. I, I actually found you through Instagram and, uh, we were <laughs> through a meme page, uh, of all places you had, you had put a comment I liked and, uh, talk, <laughs> talking about how most meme pages are run by like E4s who haven't deployed. And, uh, I thought that was really funny. So I went and checked out his page and, uh, I noticed your website link wasn't in your bio. I also noticed you were a shooting instructor because of your profile picture. And I went and looked your bio. You talked about you're a shooting instructor in Texas and in, in uh, McKinney, Texas. And then I sent you a message. I said, hey, um, you should post your web link and under the website URL section so that people can click on it. And then we got to talking from there. And next thing you know, I was taking a class with you. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so if anyone is is a, a train like a ranger follower or fan or or a customer and you want to know what kind of a guy Daniel is. And, and it still blows me away to say, because you just don't see it. Uh, you know, this guy just messaged me and said, Hey, your website link isn't correct. You should fix it. And that was it. He didn't, he didn't want anything. Like he was just helping a total stranger. And I thought that was the, that was just the nicest and coolest and rarest thing to find in 2021. So uh, that's how the, the friendship spawned. I appreciate that, man. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I am glad to help people, especially, uh, from the military community. I have, I have this belief that, you know, we should all have camaraderie and help each other, you know, uh, uh, you know, within reason, like if there's good people and you see good people out there, uh, yeah. especially from our community, like I do what I can to help people that I believe are good people. And, uh, after meeting you definitely affirmed that i made the right choice it was just it was random it was totally random uh but uh yeah it was a it was an awesome class by the way i went and took this class with chris it was a, a very well done class your uh shooting expertise was awesome i learned a lot it was a lot of fun so thanks man yeah uh so yeah i'll be happy to pick your brain on like on that stuff but from uh from your point of view, how was uh, how was our training experience together? Uh, I was thoroughly impressed with. I mean, you were. It was like that meatloaf song. It's all coming back to me now. Like you had said, you know, I haven't shot in a long time. It wasn't my, you know, hundred percent my forte. I'm a, I'm a forward observer. I'm a call for fire feller. So you know, loop me back in. Get me back up to speed on on just basic, you know, kind of marksmanship. And, um, you know, it was, it took about four minutes and you were just blazing through, uh, all of the drills. Um, so I was, I was thoroughly impressed and Noah, your friend that, that came out here could, could shoot his ass off as well. So it was a, it was a good time and it, and it allowed me to refine my product because early on and, and when consistent shooting was getting started and, you know, I learned just as much from, from teaching that course as, as you did from, from taking it. So um you know again grateful for how this this relationship started and, and grateful to teach that course i had a great time yeah it was a great time for sure um, although you you took you said 
if you guys want to know, like, don't ever eat with a fitness guy on his <laughs> on his cheat day because he's he's like, hey, you want to go out to dinner? And I said, yeah. And he takes me. He goes, you want to go to Olive Garden? And I was like, in my head, I go, absolutely not. I'd like to go anywhere but Olive Garden. But then here's this guy who's, you know, his, his abs have veins in them, and I'm like, well, he probably just wants to eat bread. And we went to Olive Garden. I had a terrible meal, but I hope you had a good meal, man. It was great. I thought it was great. I love Olive Garden. Um, <laughs> I hate Olive Garden. I don't think I've ever eaten there before in my life. I was uh, like, I want to deprive this poor this poor guy of the carbs that he probably declines himself every day of his life. Dude, I did smash that bread. Uh, yeah. Olive Garden bread, by the way. I've actually made a meme about it. Where it's like, uh, uh, it's the guy from uh, Breaking Bad. Yeah. And I'm trying to recall it, but uh, <laughs> he's like asking for another breadstick. And the waiter's like, sir, you've already had like six baskets of breadsticks. And it's like that, that scene from Breaking Bad where he's like, it's over when I say it's over. Something like that. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not a botch that quote, but it was, it was super No, funny. you're you're right. No, it was, a, it was a good course. And I was, like I said, you know, a good in my mind, a good instructor is is always learning as well. Um, and I, I definitely learned from that course. So yeah. happy to do it. Yeah, well, I thought you did very well. Um, and and uh, the things that you pointed out, this is one of the things that I liked and why I was excited to get you on a podcast because you're very good at identifying like discrepancies. Like, hey, this is the way that, you know, is a common thought. And this is another way I've heard to do it. And and the way that I've seen work. So there's like things that I had heard in special operations that, you know, uh, you were like just nailing on the head, like uh, things that I had heard other people say. And then I had learned stuff I had never heard before that I really liked. Like you had corrected things on my shooting, my the way that I, you know, did my ready ups and certain things that I was like, man, that does feel crisp, you know? and. Uh, that was cool. So I'm like excited to get you on here and talk about like your expertise, you know? Yeah, yeah, sure. So uh, um, that that said, like you were talking about gear, uh, you know, gun culture, what sells versus what should. And I can relate like from a fitness aspect, you know, because I would say, you know, that's like I see the same thing in that kind of culture too, like what people typically trend towards versus what works. So like, can you talk through some of that? Yeah, yeah, no, uh, you know, at the end of the, so I'll, I'll tell you how I started because it's you know, like what I learned. So when I left the military, I got heavy into competition shooting and uh, you know, frankly, I got my ass kicked the first time I shot a competition by probably a, a morbidly obese guy in his late fifties. And I learned that, wow, these, these civilians, while I was in the military, these civilians, while they have zero tactics in their shooting, they have mastered the, the speed portion of it. They're as efficient as you can possibly be at, at manipulating a, a gun. Um, and I poured myself into uh, competition shooting and I found myself a decade later realizing that I had completely thrown out any sort of real world tactics. Like if you, if all you do is competition shooting, and you feel like that's gonna prepare you for a real world scenario, like you're out of your mind, like it doesn't at all. And so I started uh, looking into taking courses and um, 
taking courses as a student, and I, I look to the best, in my mind, the best marksmen in, on the planet are guys in the unit, like Delta or CAG or whatever you want to call them, and the best, best marksmen on the planet. Um, and so I started taking classes with them, and um, they taught me the concept of no failure shooting and mastering the fundamentals. And we say mastering the fundamentals, everyone says it, but then they go and lay down on their backs and shoot in between their legs at a target, you know, at some, at a giant piece of steel that's six yards away. But if you were to put them on a three inch dot at 10 yards, you know, I, I don't think they could do it consistently and, you know, three times in a row. It's, and that's what these guys do. And they introduced me to a, a whole new level of shooting and mastering those fundamentals. Um, and that's, that's what I focus on. It's marksmanship. I don't teach teach tactics. I don't teach scenario based training. Um, there's a guy I'll, I'll probably mention him again, but his name's Bob Keller. He owns a company called Gamut Resolutions, and um, you know he he said something that really resonated with me, which was he do, he will never teach any scenario based training because you will never find yourself in that exact scenario in the real world. Something will be different, but what will be the same is you having to, to raise a gun of some kind and get a sight picture and press a trigger to the rear. Um, that will be the same no matter what. So that's what you should practice instead of practicing these very specific and these scenarios that look great on Instagram, running around a car, shooting off the, the back of it. Um, that stuff sells. Like if you took your shirt off in more posts, you could you would double your followers, dude. You would double them. All they care about is abs. It's crazy, um, but uh, that's what sells versus what's what's functional. Your ability just to quickly and accurately bring a gun up and, and engage a, a precise target, um, yeah. and the mindset of of no failure. If failure in, to these guys, to those guys, failure is not an option. You do hostage rescue. You can't just throw one shot like that. One shot that goes outside of your your uh, bullseye or whatever or goes over the shoulder of the target that that little guy don't worry about that little guy they are worried about that little guy yeah. and um the reality for me is i think you know if you're if you're in the united states like you should be worried about that little guy too because any scenario where you're shooting that is a hostage rescue because my wife or my son may be out there and that's, that's that little guy matters um so that's that's what i what i preach and what i focus on is is marksmanship um fast precise marksmanship where you're accountable for everything you do. Um, that's, that's my spiel, I think. That was great. And I think part of that, you know, uh, paralleling the fitness and the shooting thing, ver like what works versus what sells is, you know, we're very much in a day and age of instant gratification and like showboating essentially. And, uh, and, you know, like it, that's been one of the hurdles with, being online is you know you have to show about more you have to be more you know show things that work um and you know i think that's what people want to do too is they want to do what it's going to look cool what they get to show off to their friends versus what works and what works is you know whether it be shooting or fitness it's the it's the not fun stuff it's the time consuming stuff that take i mean it takes time it takes um work i mean it takes work it takes like shoot from a shooting aspect the ready up drills like uh i actually i had a lot of fun doing them with you but like you know like i remember in the military doing those all day long you know like you remember that? and it's just like Ugh, like but that's what works it's the repetition of that 
you know, and it's not fun. It's not what people want to do. They want to do the cool stuff that they get to, you know, take a picture for on Instagram or video or whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's understandable, but at the same time, like it's frustrating to be like the, the professional in that field and see people, you know, falling in that, in that trap versus, you know, what's going to look cool versus what's going to actually help you. Yeah. I can, I can remember, uh, when I was in, uh, they, we couldn't check out our rifles for whatever reason. I don't know the armory was closed or, or something. And, uh, they had my whole skin. Yeah. I don't know. Did you not have an, I don't know. Do you guys not have a, like a regular armory at your company? Oh, and, armory. I thought you said the army was closed. I was like, That's funny. <laughs> no, the, the armory, like, oh, gotcha, gotcha. Our, okay. yeah, like in the back of the company, we had the little, where all the guns were and, uh, the armory was closed. The guy wasn't there or something. And so, uh, back then, I don't know if you got it, but we got issued these wooden tent poles. They were like three feet long. Did you ever get those? Mm-mm. Yeah, it was just like a thick wooden a wooden tent pole that was uh, supposed to hold up a mosquito net. I, we literally never used them, but we were them. <laughs> they were like, go get your wooden tent pole. So we all had a wooden tent pole and we were doing, I'll never forget it. We were doing ready up drills <laughs> with a wooden tent pole. And one of the section sergeants literally yelled, I better see you motherfuckers manipulating a safety. <laughs> <laughs> on a wooden tent pole we had to mine pulling the safety on and off but yeah. that's to me when i watch a, a video of someone shooting um i don't care about where the bullet's going like i'm watching their hand to see are they snapping that safety back on when they're moving and coming back down like that's a mark of a professional to me i look for something like that um but again nothing nothing sexy about it you know, like no one is interested in that. But I can remember teaching a guy how to shoot, and I, I told him that we were doing ready up drills. And I walked around, I saw that his gun was on fire, and he was down. I said, "Hey, that safety needs to be on every single time you bring that gun down." And he's like, "What?" And I was like, "Yeah." He goes, "I've never heard that before. That I've, that doesn't make any sense at all to me." I was like, "Yeah, hundred percent of the time, every single time." Yep. And you know, that was mind blowing for him. He still talks about it now, like. A lot of people don't know this stuff. They just want a round and gun, but that's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy you didn't know that because it feels like, you know, that would be, you know, highly emphasized. Yeah. No, I mean, how would it be? You just go buy a rifle and and go home. That's true. Like I've seen posts from you know friends in the civilian world who uh, they'll be showing off their gun on Instagram, which and they'll have their finger in the trigger well, and I'm just like, ooh, Jesus. Yeah. Negligent discharge waiting to happen. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yep. Yeah. Take your shirt off real quick. <laughs> <laughs> double the podcast views, dude. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I'm curious to know how you became a shooting instructor. Kind of want to talk about like your your past coming up. Uh, wanted to highlight Chris as a army. Uh, army combat veteran and you know kind of just cover that and you know what got you into shooting and, and teaching it sure yeah um yeah i joined the army in in 2006 was my enlistment date I actually got my first gear issued to me on 9 11 2006 which i thought was pretty cool um i had no idea what i wanted to do and uh my recruiter had, had told me a story he wanted me to be a truck driver but he told me a story of uh some scouts when he was in Iraq, he was a truck driver. And he said his friend was a scout platoon sergeant and they were in the chow hall in Iraq 
and something had happened and a call came over the radio and his friend said, you know, scouts and made some hand and arm signal. And he said, all the scouts got up and ran out. And um, I was raised by a single mom. I'm an only child. And that I always wanted like a brotherhood. You know what I mean? I didn't even know what that was. And I said, that's it. And he was like, what? And he's just telling me a story. And I was like, that's what I want to do. And he's like, you don't want to do that. And I was like, no, that's it. Like I wanted that brotherhood, that, that picture in my mind, I was like, whatever that job is, that's what I want to do. Um, and so I became a scout, a, a 19 Delta. Um, I was assigned to, I was originally supposed to go to the 101st and we even, yeah, they issued us the patches. Um, and then they said, all you guys that thought you were going to the 101st, there's a surge going on. You're going to Fort Riley, Kansas. And I had never even heard of Fort Riley, Kansas. I, I didn't know it existed beyond like the Wizard of Oz. And so I seriously, I'd, I'd never heard of it. I'm like, what? All right. So uh, I went to Fort Riley, served with a big red one. They say if you're going to be one, you're be a big red one. Um, so uh, I was assigned to a, a scout sniper platoon in a armor battalion. And then we, we shifted to a combined arms battalion, which was a thing they were doing at that time where it was uh, two infantry companies, two armor companies, and uh, a support company. And that was a, a CAB, a combined arms battalion. And uh, we deployed to Mamadia, Iraq in early 2008. Um, I spent a year there and came back late 2009 and ets in early 2010. So very small gap between when I came back and when I got out of the army, when my contract was up, which is a whole other story. But um, I got out, I went to college, uh, became really heavy into com com uh, competitive pistol shooting, uh, IDPA, USBSA, and um, achieved you know, high, high level classifications there, won a, won a couple plaques. And it just became my thing. Um, and I, I graduated college, got a job in corporate America, um, which very grateful to have certainly not my not my passion projects um, but it allows me to do other things and eventually i found myself shooting a lot of competitions and yeah, i was just it's every day i was getting a phone call about hey what red dot do you think i should buy for my rifle or hey what kind of trigger do you put in here hey and i realized that among my circle of friends and and for some folks in the north texas area i'd become like a subject matter expert in, in this sort of thing and I thought, you know, maybe there's something here. And then uh, COVID happened. And when COVID happened, um, I realized that I'm pretty self-sufficient. Um, I can generate my own water, food, even electricity, um, but I can't pay my mortgage on my own. I said, there's a, that's a deficiency, number one. And then the other Delta in the market, they say never start a business where you can't find market space. Like the world doesn't need another Kydex holster company. You know, the world doesn't need another subscription coffee company or uh, you probably have to cut that out. <laughs> 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 the world doesn't need another uh, another uh, Brovet T-shirt company. Um, but I noticed that everyone I knew owns a firearm and very few of them shoot with any regularity, some none, none at all. I would say the majority, if people were rigorously honest, maybe shoot once a year. And to me, that's dangerous. Um, and I said, there's, there's my market. You have firearm shooters and you have people that shoot and there should not be a gap in between these two. Um, and I think 
I think there's that gap because uh, good instruction is rare. Uh, sometimes bad instruction is expensive. And I think it can also be intimidating. Um, you know, not every, not every, my wife probably wouldn't want to go train with some big, tough Navy SEAL with the big, scary beard and the tattoos. You know, there's a market there. So um, I started consistent shooting. Um, and before I did that, I spent a year as a student. I said, um, yeah, I can improv my way through a, a lesson and teach people. I teach people all the time. They say, teach my, you know, take my wife. My son's about to join the Marine Corps, teach him how to shoot, you know, whatever. And I do those things, um, but it's far from being a professional. So uh, I want to see what it's like to be a student, find out what I like, what I don't like. Um, and so I started taking courses. And I took courses from all the all the Instagram people out there that, that you're thinking of, and some good, some bad. I learned a lot. Um, I went to the NRA and got certified as, a, as an instructor and bought the insurance, and I, I just did the rest on my own. So I don't know anything about building websites, but I built a website and, um, you know, did the Instagram thing. I don't have any social media, but I started an Instagram, which uh, sometimes feels like cancer, but um, <laughs> I still, I, I post out of, out of obligation, but it's funny because like the, uh, yeah, I'll post, I have like a two minute video on light placement. Uh, like where do you put your light on your rifle? And it's like, well thought out. And I'm, I'm, explaining why I made the decision and, and how you should, you could possibly consider making a decision on light placement where it makes the most sense for you. Um, no one gives a shit. And then I'll post a picture of like a, like a cool looking rifle on the ground. It's like, you know, 300 likes and all this stuff. Yep. <laughs> it's so frustrating. That's, that's Instagram, man. Nobody wants to learn. They just want to see no. cool guy pics and memes. Like that's what I figured out too. It's like, uh, I'll pour my heart out into like writing. So yes. they're super educational, <laughs> smart, and people be like, oh, there's reading here? Ugh. And they'll swipe right past it. But if I post a picture from Ranger Days, oh, man, that gets like <laughs> thousands of likes. It's like, golly. What um, were you telling me about the guy with the beard and your, even I asked, in your helicopter picture? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, funny story. Yeah, that guy in the helicopter picture, he was our personal trainer. <laughs> and like, we let him go up in the helicopter. But everybody yeah. sees that guy and they're like, the guy's like Delta Force or something. Like, dude, yeah. like, and they're like, who is that guy? It's like, no, that's the personal trainer, dude. <laughs> He's, that's his first time in the helicopter. He's like, that's what I thought. Uh, just the other day, Daniel and I were talking. I was like, hey, who's that <laughs> operator in your, in your picture? <laughs> <laughs> dude, the beard, man. That's a, that's why I always joked about the beard because I, I, I can grow like patchy, gross facial hair. That's what I can do. And, uh, you know, when people like, think special yeah. operations, they think of this beard, you know, like this you know uh, it's funny you see a lot of famous uh instagram shooting instructors and influencers and all of a sudden now you know they're covered in tattoos and they've got the beard and you look at pictures you know they'll occasionally post pictures from when they were serving you know 10 years ago and they're clean shaven yep you know very few tattoos very conventional in a lot of respects, but, um, you know, I've always wondered that. I thought, man, if you didn't have a beard and tattoos when you're, why are you doing it now? I don't necessarily understand it, but right. um, I definitely because, grew a beard when I got out of the Army, though. I mean, they have that. There is that aspect of it. You do the thing that you're not allowed to do. Exactly, and I think that's where, uh, I think that's where the misconception goes, is it's like, uh, it goes back to the pro-vet culture, like we talk about, you know, like the veteran <laughs> yeah. culture, you know. Um, the culture is to, if you're not tatted up, get tatted up. And uh, I'm not like I don't have any tattoos, but like 
you know, grow a big beard and then, you know, post a bunch of pictures with guns and, you know, um, you know, whatever, whatever. We know the, the drill, but, uh, yeah, there's a whole culture to it. Just start doing that. <laughs> that's what would work, dude. Like this. Yeah. All right. I'll take my shirt off. I'll, uh, I'll have to buy a beard on Amazon and then tie it to my face, but we'll make it work somehow. And, uh, and that's what we'll do, dude. I'll get tatted, uh, from head to toe and then that's the tough that's the tough like more it's i don't want to call it a moral quandary but it's like i have cool guns you know i could i have like chest rigs and stuff that i use for competitions where i'm running and gunning like i have all this stuff um but it's not what i want people to be focused on right like i want to be focused on the software because um, yeah, and from working with you, I think it's because you give a shit about people's growth, and it's not, you know, it's not just you want the the followers or whatever, you know. Like, it's of course it's smart to be entertaining and like address people, but and I'm not knocking people who do the things that work, but it it is frustrating. Like, I think that's makes you a good a good person for getting frustrated at that and being like, uh, come on, man, I'm trying to help you with what works, you know. It's a struggle when you're on social media and you're looking for the the likes and the followers. Yeah. And it's like, this is good content. I could sell out and do this other, I don't want to call it sell out, but I could do something that I don't believe in. Right. That my heart like isn't that. behind. That isn't, I could do something that's not going to be helpful to you. And that promotes something that's not going to make you any better. And, uh, but I don't want to do that. It's, it's hard. Well, it's that's, the, hard. that's the internet where perceptions reality. Like I, I, what I think about it is it's like, it's five percent content and then 95 percent is show and like it's like 95 that 95 percent is is hard sometimes because you gotta like i don't know you gotta like uh be again push the stuff that just feels weird and sometimes like like uh could feel wrong like i i don't know like i don't i don't like pushing stuff like that you know like i like you know sticking a my beliefs and what, you know, what's going to be helpful and stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that being said, you know, we're to, we have great talks. I think me and you have great talks about, you know, like why podcasting for, uh, why this podcast could be good and why having an unbiased perspective on like military prep and, you know, expectations of the military is, is important because people have this certain expectations, but why not get it from guys who don't like, we're not commissioned by the army. Um, we don't get like, I, I want you guys to join in the way you want to join and, you know, thrive and whatever, but you know, like we're not gonna, we have no benefit to lying to you or getting you into the military. Yeah. Like I don't get paid a commission to get you in the military. Like I just, you know, cause I'm, a lot of people are military prep. So it's like, um, I, I get no benefit out of that. I just like helping people out and giving them the information that could be helpful. Yeah. The, um, and that's, that's the only thing like, I want to be clear about. The Army has done way more for me in my career and in, with consistent shooting and paying for college. I never would have been able to go to college if I hadn't joined the military and had the GI Bill. Um, the Army has given me far more than I ever gave the Army. 100%. Um, and, Same. you know, there's no, I, I talk about hero worship where we've got this. I think there's, you know, unpopular opinion. I think there's this perspective that everyone that was in the military is a hero. And, um, you know, everyone's doing Black Hawk Down, Lone Survivor work every single day. And that's just not the case. Um, right. And 
there's perspective on what the military does on a regular basis. And, you know, the vast majority of it is not particularly sexy. Um, it's like shooting. It's in the, it's just prep all the time. Yeah. I also served in a very different time. So when I was in, in big army, conventional army, um, it was just about deploying over and over and over again. So it was uh, a 365 day deployment. And then you have one day of dwell time per day of deployment time, which means you're guaranteed time in the United States, one-to-one -one ratio for every day you're deployed. And uh, it was literally like, you will redeploy on the 366th day that you've been home. And it was just back to back, a year there, a year here, a year there, a year over and over and over again. And so, you know, the um, the mission of the military obviously has changed greatly since I was in, um, but that that's where my perspective has, has come from. And, and being in the conventional military where um, you know, leadership is, is different uh, than, than special operations, um, they, there was not, at least in, in my unit, not that with my particular attitude at the time, which is very biased, um, there was not a whole lot of promotion about like going to different schools or advancing your career. Like I remember one guy went to SFAS and came back and he's like a hero. I was like, oh my God, like you went to SFAS? Like, how did you do that? Like, that's a thing. It, you know, there's no like, hey, Daniel, you're a great soldier. Like you should go down to the SFAS recruiter on Fort Riley and, and check them out. Or, you know, go to, I don't know if, you know, Ranger Bat recruits like that, but there's none of that promotion. It was just, how can we retain these soldiers so we can check the box and say we have X amount of soldiers that we're supposed to have, and then we can, we can be deployment ready. We can just deploy again. Um, so it was about retention rather than promotion. Um, but I had I had the wrong attitude when I was in, which was I was just I was just focused on fighting. Um, all I wanted to do was fight, whether it was with my hands or with a gun or just blow shit up. That, that's all I wanted to do, I couldn't care less about anything else. I didn't care about getting promoted, which affected me getting promoted. I, frankly, I didn't care too much about physical fitness. I'm a big, strong guy. I didn't care about cardiovascular fitness running that much. Like, I just wanted to be able to crush everything. Um, yeah, and we talked about that, like deadlift as much as possible or something. Like that's yeah. I mean, yeah. Someone told me, uh, you know, an, an up armored Humvee in 1151, the, the doors weigh 400 pounds. And so I thought, well, shit, like the IEDs were so big back then, they were blowing them on their sides. And I was like, if if someone's Humvee is on their side, I need to be able to lift that door up when it's on the side. So I became obsessed with deadlifting 400 pounds. And I was like, well, I got to deadlift it at least four times. Because what if two vehicles are on their side? <laughs> you know, like that was my way. I didn't care about anything else. Um, and if anyone takes anything away from this, like if you call yourself a field soldier, which is what I did, like... Anyone that I served with will tell you, like, I was tactically sound, like, exceedingly tactically sound. I'm the guy you want on the radio. I'm the guy you want with a gun. I'm the guy you want in the stack. Um, I'm not the guy that you want talking in front of anyone with any sort of influence in the rear. Like, <laughs> just, you know, I call myself a field soldier, and it's just the wrong attitude to have in the Army. Like, if you want to be successful in the Army, especially in the conventional Army, you need to be well-rounded. You need to be as sound in the rear. When it comes to like my roommate, I remember like he was a Bradley driver and he went and got that Nomex one piece suit and got all of his patches sewn onto it. 
like his name and everything. No one was doing that. And, uh, you know, that guy left as, a, as an E6. He's successful. And he probably would have picked up seven if he had stayed in. And, and he did that in like four or five years. Um, you need to be well-rounded. Um, it's not just about deploying over and over again. Maybe it isn't in, in, in battalion. Um, it's a whole different, you guys have completely changed the way that you work. And you guys run an incredibly high op tempo. Uh, but at least in, in the big military, and I would suggest in the military in general, you need to be just as good in the rear and in your presentation as you are in the field when you're presenting a weapon system. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I would say, you know, Ranger up-tempo used to be high. I, you know, I, I think now guys are still training a lot and things, but, um, but I, I agree with that. Even still, even, even there, like the army, no matter where you go and the military in general, I would say is very bureaucratic. And that's something that kids are probably, probably should hear something to expect. There's a lot of things that they're going to want things that if you want to get promoted and be successful, you'll have to do, you know, it's, uh, we used to call it the, you know, put on your monkey suit and do the monkey dance, you know, like hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, you gotta play, you gotta play the game to, um, to be successful. And there's a lot of things in there that are quite frankly, just feel like nonsense. It feels like it's just a lot of time consuming, not fun things. And, um, uh, it's not just, you're running around all the time, just blowing stuff up, pew, 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 you know, like jumping out of, planes and helicopters like a whole in between those short moments of we there's a whole lot of just ugh, right even, like uh yeah ready up drills with a wooden pole <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah uh yeah it's a great they, thing to uh, point out good no it's a great thing to point out yeah yep but they uh you know the military in general no matter what branch you you end up joining um you know, I, I found myself in in many situations where we would be given an order to do something, and I would think to myself, "Well, this is dumb as shit." And common sense and logic will tell you that we should be doing X, Y, and Z instead of this dumb shit. And unfortunately, I would also say that in addition to thinking it. <laughs> and like, <laughs> that's not when you're a lower enlisted soldier. That's not what you do. You right. say, yeah, Roger, Sergeant, let's go. And you do it. And um, and that's that's translated over into uh into my life, my my current role outside of of consistent shooting. Not that we're doing dumb stuff, but we're doing stuff where it's like that's not don't this isn't the hill that you want to die on. You know, that's an important phrase that I think you should remember just in life in general, whether it's in a relationship or in a job or in the military, you know, pick the hill that you want to die on. Is it this equipment layout? Probably not. You know, is it this uh, this first call time? Probably not. Yeah, pick your battles. Yeah, exactly. And there was a, uh, I had a uh, when we were overseas, we had this this guy get blown up um, in the middle of the night, and we got woken up. You know, two o'clock, pounding on the on the door, and I hear footsteps. People are running, and so I'm like, shit. So we get out and run, and I was with my command sergeant major at the time, and. Uh, we get to our vehicles and we were going to the, the cash in Baghdad, the combat support hospital and, and the big hospital in Baghdad where one of our soldiers had been blown up and we're going to give him a purple heart and a combat infantryman's badge before he gets on a, on a plane to go to Germany. And he, he was okay. He had a, his arm was really jacked up. That was it. But I mean, obviously it's still shitty, um, but he was, he was not in, in critical condition, but we, you know, it's, it's a tough call to get and it's demoralizing and you get very angry and, 
I took videos of that of that mission brief, and we go to the hospital, and my I was in my command sergeant major's vehicle, and we give him the Purple Heart, and we get out, and my battalion commander, the colonel, didn't go, and I was pissed, and I was like, yo, how do you not give one of your own soldiers that got jacked up for the rest of his life for you on a mission that you ordered, how do you not show up to give him a Purple Heart? And we had, uh, we I forget what it's called, like Blue Force Tracker. We had basically a computer screen like you see in cop cars in, in the Humvee. And the colonel sent um, the command sergeant major a message about what I consider to be a bullshit mission. Like, hey, you got to go meet up with the 8th Iraqi Army colonel and help him build a tent. Or, you know, I don't know, something ridiculous. And um, I remember just being irate. It's like 9 o'clock in the morning now. It's getting hot as hell. And I said, we're not going to go, we're not really going to go do that, are we, Sergeant Major? And he, they called me Chewy or Chewbacca because, you know, a big guy like the Harry guy from Star Wars. And he, he kind of turned around the seat. I was sitting behind him. He said, Chewy, I was given a fucking order and we're going to fucking do it. And um, that just, the way he said it just made sense to me. Like you're in the army. This is an order from a colonel. You fucking do it. That's it. End of discussion. There's no more thought that needs to be put into it. You know, if you're thinking about joining the military, you know, that's something to consider. Like, I spent a lot of time and energy worrying about stuff that didn't matter when I should have just said, I'm in the army. I'm a soldier. This is the mission. And the mission may be cleaning the latrines, you know, whatever. Just do it. Just execute it. And I would have been way better off for it. And I hope other people learn to navigate that bureaucracy. Yeah. It's tough, though. I mean, because at the end of the day, you know... Your, your people right and then but there it's like you're a serial number like it's it's very much a machine like roster number blah 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 blah. that's who you are in certain places and it's a it's a yeah it's bizarre you know it's like um you know carrying around certain things with your initials and and last four or some other numbers that that's what identifies yeah. you in certain things you know um wait what'd you say PT belts. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's our that's our armor, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but man, I spent so much time and energy worrying about and arguing about stuff that I couldn't change and that didn't matter. Oh, I did too. Yeah. yeah. I would get so worked up, especially uh overseas. We I don't know, you know, someone would get a certain type of grenade thrown at them and it's like well we have to change the way we operate in these particular areas to combat this particular grenade threat and everything is going to change and we're going to do everything differently and i wouldn't like whatever we were doing i'd be like well this is stupid like that's not going to work this is not going to work and i spent all this time arguing and and hashing out whatever ttp uh tactics techniques or procedures um that we're implementing and the next mission that we went out on you know what we did the same thing we always did. We just did the same thing. None of it mattered. None of it mattered. Um, and I was like, man, you know, I, I wasted so much time and offended people and undercut people. And we just do the same shit. And um, frankly, I find myself in, in corporate America sometimes when something new is coming out and I'll, I'll put my head down and look at the conference table and just say, hey, manage your team, do your job. Manage your team, do your job. Don't worry about this stuff. Manage your team and do your job. None of this will, will make a damn bit of difference. Focus on your team. Focus on your customers. Yeah. It's done me a lot of good. And I, I really wish someone, but I was so thick headed back then. It was a mess. You know, I, I probably wouldn't have taken it even if someone had given me that advice. 
Yeah. I think I think one of the big lessons that you, you could take from the military is emotional control. I can tell you how many times my blood pressure is probably way beyond hypertension. And I'm just like swallowing, you know, that anger. It's just, oh, like you're just sitting there listening to some guy really coming at you or, you know, um, or people doing crazy stuff or, you know, getting passed down crazy stuff that, again, doesn't make sense. Or you got to do things that are really not fun when you're tired, when you're hungry. Um, and you just have to swallow that anger of this doesn't make any sense. But I here I am, you know, like, but uh, there's times where I, you know, I didn't swallow that anger either. You know, I was I got pretty mouthy uh, at the end myself. And uh, I'm surprised I didn't get more in more trouble. Uh, but yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's tough. Uh, so yeah, I feel like a lot of people go through that. I bet you could probably go into some stories about Ranger School where you were swallowing some anger and pride. Uh, uh yeah. I mean, uh, I remember, I remember just times where like I wanted to fight people if I had any <laughs> testosterone whatsoever. Like I was so depleted of just any sort of like I was so starved and sleepy. Like I had no testosterone, but like there's times where like people make you so mad especially other people in ranger school and ranger school is weird. Cause there's like that peer culture where people are always trying to find out like, like, Oh, this is the guy I'm going to peer. This is the guy I'm going to peer. So it gets kind of cutthroat. Like if you're, you got to really like, everybody's trying to perform to be the best yeah. so that they make good on peers. And it creates this cutthroat culture. It's something that's probably not talked about a lot, but um, yeah, it's pretty ruthless sometimes. And like people do sh things and like people are kind of shitty, you know, like uh, it's frustrating, but uh, yeah, there's definitely times there really just dealing with your peers most of the time. It wasn't even the RIs or, or anything like that. I mean, of course the lack of food and sleep, you know, didn't help, but uh, yeah, just like trying to be cohesive as a team while you're under the stress and everybody's trying to make a grade and make peers. And it's a, uh, it's actually kind of a cutthroat culture. Like it's crazy. And there's a lot of anger and like, um, uh, did the, people did the RIs promote, stuff. Did, did the RIs, were they promoting uh, stress? Like, would they purposely put, like, an idiot in charge of a patrol just to see what you guys, how you guys would react to stress out? Or, <laughs> yeah. Or did not do that? Yeah. They oh, yeah. That. They do stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, they can do what they can do whatever they want. You know, yeah. they can give somebody three looks, three chances to get a, a go, and then they can give another guy one look. I mean, that that place, I would say, is more of a selection than a lot of other places. Even places like RASP, like it's Ranger School is very much a selection where, you know, they, number one, there's a factor of do they like you? Who is your grader that day? How is everybody else acting? Are people tired and sleepy? Like I remember times where, um, like I was a, a, a squad leader one time and it had rained for like seven days straight and it was cold <laughs> rain. Like, and people were just not right. in the mood, dude. And yeah. uh, uh, there's a time I, I had got put as a platoon sergeant and um there was trash like this trash pickup had had been missed and when they made me the platoon sergeant i'm like having to tell all these dudes to pack this trash in their heavy ass ruck and so they're just shoving trash because we can't leave it so they're shoving all this trash and they're like what the f and i think we had uh something happened with the mre pickup but you know uh just everything was going wrong that morning and uh no, that's what it was. We just got our full shipment of MREs. So like you get MREs, oh. they're giving you this bulk MREs that you like 
this resupply that you just shovel these MREs and you're already heavy ruck. And then I'm telling them, hey, pack all your trash in there on top of that. So like the motivation was just at an all time low and we're trying to make things happen. We had a boat mission that day and it was just like, I was like getting so angry at people because, you know, everybody's tired, like tired, hungry, yeah. angry. And like, you're trying to get these dudes moving. Their performance is your grade. So it's like, you could be a the best leader in the world, but uh, it, not saying I was by any means, but I'm just saying like, you could be on it, right? You yeah. could be absolutely doing everything you're supposed to do. And if they don't perform, that's your grade. And it's just like, it's yeah, frustrating to say the least. Uh, it, it's a good lesson. Like in the military, like they, they thrive off of that. Like, especially when you're being tested, they thrive off of chaos. And it, <laughs> my experience has been like the instructors don't like calm. Like, and, and what stands out to me is I was, when I was at, at scout school, they, they, uh, I was a platoon guide or put in charge of the platoon or, or whatever. And I was very transparent the entire time. It's how I lead even now where I just say, Hey, listen, this is what they've asked us to do. We know it's stupid. We know we don't like it. The sooner we get it done, the better we'll be. And they'll get off our ass. We just got to do this thing. And then this part will be over. And we were at some radio class, so most people won't admit it, but the most deadliest weapon the, the military has is a radio. Um, you know, you can kill a lot more Communication, people. yeah. Yeah, you can kill a lot more people with a radio and a helicopter than you can with a freaking M4 and a and seven magazines. And um, we're in this radio class. Scouts are, are heavy in, in radio work. We're in this radio class, and this instructor pulled me out, and he said, hey, uh, he called me Chupacabra instead of uh, <laughs> Chewbacca. He said, Chupacabra said he gave me something like tell this platoon if they don't do x y and z i'm gonna fuck them up and um i looked at him and this was towards the end we were in great shape like we were ripped and i was like uh, i looked at him, i go sergeant uh they don't care if uh they get fucked up it's uh it's not a motivator for them anymore like we don't care if we do push-ups we do push-ups all fucking day and uh he immediately fired me. Like that moment, he was like, you're fired. Because <laughs> like, they thrive on the chaos. Yeah. And he got some guy that was terrified in there that he knew when he told them something like that, he would freak out. He'd ramp up the stress. He'd ramp up the, you know, yep. the anxiety among the platoon. And, and that was it for me. It's entertainment, yeah. <laughs> the bureaucracy is, is something to, to learn to navigate. And um, I found the best leaders and the best soldiers just focus on their job and what they're doing in that moment and uh those are the guys that are, are successful long term and i have a that that command sergeant major um he eventually became like a post sergeant or a brigade sergeant major and then a post sergeant major and, and a core sergeant major and then i think at the end he retired as a as the installation sergeant major for fort whatever's out in, in el paso texas what's out there yeah. fort bliss fort bliss, bliss. okay um, I think he was a post command sergeant major out there. And I jokingly asked him one day, I said, like, how do you still get promoted after I got out? I was like, you're an E9. You just keep getting higher levels of, of leadership. I said, well, you're to be sergeant major of the army. He said, no, he's like, that's not a bitch won't retire. He's holding us all up. And he goes, but, um, he said, uh, and I'll never forget this either. He said, honestly, I just focus on the job that I'm doing right now. I don't think about the next position and inevitably I get a random ass phone call that says, Hey, the NTC general is looking for a sergeant major. Do you want to come out and interview? 
Yeah. Uh, I just go interview and I tell them the truth. And if I get the job, I get it. If I don't, I focus on my job. And um, I thought, wow, you know, you don't, in my platoon in the conventional army, I feel like you got maybe six months of real leadership from a new E6, from a new E5 before they became focused on what their next role was going to be. Yeah. And how to get, how to get there. And um, you could see that change and it was demoralizing because the decisions that they were making were selfish. Yeah. Um, and here was this guy that, you know, probably if he stayed in, probably could have been the Sergeant Major of the Army. And he just said, I just focus on what my current job is. That's all I do is focus on doing my job today the best that I can. And I asked him, I actually met up with him. He retired and I met up, met up with him about six months ago. And I asked him if that was bullshit. I took him out to dinner. I said, hey, you know, this story is really stuck with me when you told me that. I goes, is that bullshit? He goes, I wish I could say it was. He goes, I swear to God, it wasn't. Yeah. I goes, I just focus on my job and that's what's led me to be successful. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's taking it, taking it by the day, focusing on your tasks and the people under you. You're mad. Yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's leadership. That's what leadership is. Anytime you're serving yourself, that's not leadership. You're your gain. You see that happen in the military a lot. Like a lot leadership. Of leadership. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You see that happen though. Guys will get this rank. They'll just, it's not about the betterment of their team. They just flex nuts and, and, uh, do what they do to get ahead and step on who they need to step on to get ahead. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, there's some ugly things that happen. Like it's not all pretty, you know? Um, but it, it I do, that's why I do appreciate those guys who do look out for their people. Yeah. And again, like for every one of those guys, there's a, that there's a sergeant major like the one I just described. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and and I'll say it again. The Army has done far for me, far more for me than I ever gave the Army yeah. by far. Just having that on my resume and and the discipline that it gave me, uh, even though I don't exercise as much as I would like uh the army gave me way more than I ever gave the army. And I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, I am too. And I met, uh, with that, I met more, I met a lot of awesome people, people that I never forget, you know, part of me, I've been out for, yeah, what, five years now. And I still, I mean, I'm still feel like I'm still there, you know, like it, you just heard me say, like, if I talk about Ranger Regiment, I'll say we, or I'll be like, uh, it's something that we do, or th I'm still like associating myself with it, even though I'm, you know, long removed from it. Um, name well, of the company. You, you, I told you the other day, you guys are a cult. You're like the Marine Corps <laughs> of the Army. You know, once a Marine, always a Marine, or whatever it is. You guys are nuts, man. I mean, <laughs> you guys are, yeah, the Brotherhood is real and, and bad, at least from the outside. That's, that's what I've seen. I would say so, yeah. Um, and Especially the scroll and the tab. I mean, not, not there's very few people know the difference. Yeah, and it's funny. Yeah. Not to talk too much about me, but you know, when I started this, it was meant to be like, you know, I talk about that, like it was meant to be personal training and I was going to be like a online strength coach and nutrition coach and stuff. And then I noticed like all my posts, like I was like, man, it's a, this is all military prep, which I love by the way. But, um, I'm like, uh, I was starting to look back on how this happened and I was like, oh, cause all I ever talk about is Ranger stuff. <laughs> that's, that's how this yeah. happened, you know? But, uh, Man, I still think about people from there, like the most amazing people I ever met in my life, the most hardworking, dedicated, selfless people I've ever met in my life. So um, I think that's part of part of why part of my brain just lives there. You know, it's like yeah, I'll tell you, find that. 
I'll tell you a new story. And, and, and this is stuff that you never hear about ever, but um, I was engaged to a gal when I was, when I was in the army and uh, 11 months into my deployment, uh, you know, we had that phone call and she was like, Hey, maybe after you've been home for a while, you, you find your own place to live. You know, we still had a month left of patrols and we, we rolled every day, every single day we were on mission. And um, uh, maybe not every, I think we did like 250 plus in a year. So not every day, but you go to just, um, and I was broken. I was a broken man. Uh, all I wanted to do was come home to a golden retriever and this gal. And um, there was a kid named Smith. And I wish I remembered his first name. I, I need to hunt him down. He was 17 when we deployed. So he couldn't deploy. So they kept him at Fort Riley until the day he turned 18. And the next day he was on a plane to Iraq. And so he showed up to Iraq after he'd already been there for a month or two. Uh, infantryman. And um, at the end of that deployment, there were two chalks. You go home in like two groups, half goes first and then the other half. And I was on the second one and I wanted to get on the first one because I thought, not that I cared about going on another mission, but I was like, I got to save this relationship. Like this is a, a future marriage. And um, I was young. And uh, so uh, I swapped. I remember asking him, I was like, hey, will you swap with me for two weeks? And um, he was like, yeah. He literally looked at me, this 18-year-old kid, and goes, I have no one will be there when I get off at that redeployment ceremony. When you like march into a, we marched into like an auditorium or something. And they played some Toby Keith or some shit. And he was like, uh, no one will be there for me. I have no family. He goes, go home and take care of yours. And I switched with him, an 18-year-old kid. And he, he went on, you know, two more weeks worth of missions in south of Baghdad. In the in the mid 2000s, well, I went. No one knows that story. To me, that guy's a hero. Yeah, that's that's a hero to me. Most of my heroes have their names on black bracelets, but um, guys like that, no one hears stories like that. That that level of selflessness, 18 years old, to look at someone and say, "I have no one will be there when I redeploy. You'll at least have people. Go to them." Yeah, unreal, man. That that is a, a hero in my book. But no, yeah, when you talk about the quality of people. Those are the stories that no one no one hears, and I think few people could truly appreciate. Right. But that that level of selflessness to say I will, and you know that at that time every day whether you were a, a mechanic or a a truck driver, every single time you went out that that gate you're rolling the dice because they're just blowing us up. Yeah. Um, every single time it's just playing the lottery. Someone told me once before I went, and they were right. And he, he said, yeah, I'll, I'll go play the lottery with my own life for two weeks. It's just crazy. To me, so, that's, that's just nuts. You know, you meet people like that. You have all this, this um, you meet people like who are amazing, selfless, and, and uh, people look out for each other and things like that. And I, you know, I, I can speak for the civilian world. It's, it's hard to find that out here. It's not as condensed where you find people who selflessly put themselves out there on the line and uh and look to do something bigger than themselves i think the biggest struggle for me whenever i got out was getting put into the mesh and while there's all this new freedom that you think is is going to be super awesome and, and to some extent like it is cool to have the freedom but what's tough is to find the community again and you know uh, something that i address in my podcast and something that i think relates to most veterans is mental health i struggle with my own mental health my big saving grace is you know, the people that I had back, you know, with me, like my, 
my now wife, you know, uh, at the time she's my fiance, just amazing person, like so selfless, amazing person, really, um, really kept me together because, uh, because it's not easy to move on from that and to, you know, try to find, find out who you are and, and mesh into this new world. And like me and you've talked about the mental health aspect and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm curious to get your, uh, your thoughts on moving on and like, um, mental health and, and, you know, those yeah. things. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I mentioned coming, obviously like when you're as selfish as I was to ask a guy if he would just trade slots with you, cause it was just a flip of the coin, you know, who was on what chalk, um, you know, you're probably not in the right state of mind. And frankly, I was, I was a broken man. Um, then I came, I came home, I redeployed and, and that didn't work out. Um, you know, I wasn't able to, to revive the relationship. And so I, I got out of the army and I ended up just coming back to Texas and I was, I was lost. Um, and I went down a, a dark road for a while. Um, there wasn't a, a ton of help out there. Um, you really got to seek it out. And my, my personal experience with the VA hasn't been, I don't go. I mean, I went, I went once and I left more depressed than when I, when I walked in. And so I was like, I'll never go back, but I, I went story. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, this is a nightmare, this place. So I, I just started going to, to see civilian doctors and, and civilian counselors. But I think the, the, you know, the most important part to your transition out of the military is to be rigorously honest with yourself and rigorously honest with the people that you seek help from, which is weird because in this veteran hero worship culture that that I see, there's almost a tendency, I've seen people, and frankly, I've done it myself, to um, meet people's expectations of what they think that you did in the military. Um, and it's very common, I've done this myself as well, to uh, also self, like, worship your military service yourself and to glorify it, which I get it. I, I was there. I get it. It is a it is a cool thing. Um, but if it was so cool, you would have stayed in. Right. Right. There's there's a reason why you got out. And it wasn't because it was so fucking awesome that you just can't <laughs> you can't bear with the incredible awesomeness of it every day. I gotta leave here. I can't possibly cope with all this. Oh, yeah. Um, and so be honest with yourself about why you got out. I mean, remember the good times, but I can tell you personally, for every good time, you know, there's probably four or five not so cool times where you're doing ready up drills with a freaking wooden pole, having some guy who I, I had a guy, this is my story, I had a guy, he was a senior scout in my platoon. He had the worst stutter that you've ever heard in your life, the absolute worst. And, and as you know, when you're calling in grid coordinates, the most accurate grid that you can have, I believe is a 10 digit grid, right? Is that the most accurate? So you have, you have 10 numbers. And, and one time we took these uh, tankers out. And, uh, you know, we were trying to look cool. To them, we look like freaking Navy SEALs with night vision and stuff. And they were in the back of our Bradleys. And the senior scout called in a grid uh, to start this mission. And he said, um, Sabre 6, Sabre 7, uh, calling in SP time, Mike Bravo, 8888888888884257. And we were like, holy shit, are you, are you calling in a 32-digit grid? Like, how accurate are you getting down in the millimeter here? Like, incredible. That's terrifying. But, you know, for every cool moment, there's a, a moment like that where you're getting yelled at by a guy with a stutter to manipulate an invisible safety on a wooden pole. So uh, 
there's a there's a reason why you got out. It doesn't take away from all the good experiences that you had, um, but you need to be honest with yourself about that. And then when you go seek help, um, you know, I'll be honest, I didn't have a whole lot of a whole lot of heartache about the things I experienced in the military or overseas. But I was a broken man because of the relationship that that fell apart and how that went down at the at the end of uh, you know, it was in the summer in Iraq. It's hot. I hate the heat. It's just miserable. Um, so be honest with yourself and be honest with the people that you seek help with. It's, it's funny. Sometimes we go see counselors and we're not fully honest with them. Okay. With counselors or psychiatrists or, or whoever, um, we don't tell them the, the full truth and they're the only people that truly want to know the whole truth. So, so they can help you. So, um, you know, eventually I, I, I have seen a counselor, I still see a counselor and it's been a, an incredible help to me, but it, it has only worked when I've been rigorously honest with myself and rigorously honest with with them um the help is out there and these people are i mean they live to help you so take advantage of it their whole job is to help you just like your whole job is to, to help people get in shape like that's all you want to do you're just dying to have someone come to you but look if someone's not honest with you about what they're doing they're not going to get the results from your program that, that you've laid out for them so yep. be honest and get the help that that you need, but it won't work if you're not honest with yourself and with them. Well, that's, that's a good point. You know, uh, I talk about, you know, expectations that I think a lot of military veterans take away that they have for themselves and, you know, the expectations that society has for them. You know, they think, you know, I can speak for me too. I, people think I'm supposed to be able to do these certain things or have this certain role. And, you know, uh, that's not the case at all. Also, I think another issue too with seeking help is there's this feeling of, you know, uh, we got to be the strong people. We got to be in charge. Like, you know, it's hard to confide in somebody whenever you want to be in control. And that's the big disconnect is you don't want to share certain things because you don't want to be portrayed as weak or you don't want to be out of control. And uh, handing over that control is hard to do. So um, everybody... Everybody needs help, and it actually takes strength to open up and, and get that help. Exactly. That's that's exactly what I was going to say. Is like now I look at it as that's real maturity. Yeah. Like being able to be honest and tell someone that you need help, like that's a sign of maturity and being a man and being an adult. Yeah. Um, the you know the idea that you should swallow it down and, and pack it away that's not going to help you. It's actually probably going to hinder you and, and the people around you, the people that love you. There's there's no benefit to that. It's an immature decision based on ego. You know, I agree with you 100%. Yeah. And and with that, you know, finding, uh, I always talk about these three things, the big three things, physical activity, community, and a sense of purpose. That's why I gravitated towards, you know, fighting in jujitsu and uh, among yeah. the other things, you know, and, and then you do the shooting, like it implements all those things. We were out there doing kettlebell swings, shooting, having yeah. a good time. Like we had a blast, but that we had all three things. We had physical activity, community, sense of purpose. Like we're getting better at something, we're working together, and and as a benefit, like you were, you know, you had some veterans there that were connecting about different things and cutting jokes, and like you know, if you're gonna move on from beyond the, you know, uh, you know, I can speak to why I got out. Yeah, a lot, a lot of it's the bureaucracy and things like that. If you're looking to move past that, nothing wrong with that, you know, and you can be proud of your service. You don't have to, you know, be some. So you don't have to live up to these expectations people have of you. You don't have to be some superhero or whatever. Be honest about your service and about what you did. Be proud of that. Um, and then find that your positive outlet. You know, go train. 
train with somebody like Chris. And and that being said, Chris, like uh, you want to talk again, point them to consistent shooting, how they can find you and uh, and more about that. Yeah, so just uh, consistentshooting.com. Uh, you can go to that website, see some course descriptions. I, I keep it simple. I have uh, know your pistol, know your rifle. Um, I feel like that's that's key before you start shooting out windshields of cars. Like, hey, you should know exactly what your rifle and exactly what your pistol is capable of. So those are, are my bread and butter. And I want to start getting into more of, um, you know, a know your EDC, know, know what you carry every day. Like everyone wants to come out and wear Ninja Force 5 uh gear and and plate carriers and stuff it's like you're never going to have that um you know i don't know maybe maybe in the middle of the night when the glass breaks and your wife and kid are yelling maybe you have time to throw on that plate carrier but chances are you're gonna grab a rifle or a pistol and throw a spare magazine in your back pocket so what are we really training for you know train realistically um and and master the fundamentals um so yeah consistentshooting.com uh all one word for instagrams consistent shooting uh you know i don't know <laughs> Yo, give me a give me a follow and show me some give me some faith in, in humanity on, on Instagram. <laughs> I promise I put out genuine uh, quality content that'll make you a better shooter and not make you want to go buy um, this scope or uh, or that gun or or that holster. Just crap I know works, which is is mastering the fundamentals. And you know I wouldn't I would be remiss if I didn't plug the the folks that I train from um, and that. That really opened up my eyes to what we should be focusing on. And that's uh, Bob Keller with Gamut Resolutions. Um, he's out of Florida and I have no affiliation with him other than I've taken a course with him and I'll probably set up another course to take with him. And he's just unreal. Uh, made me feel like I didn't even know what I was doing. Uh, and Eric Dornbush and Green Eye Tactical. Um, those are two unit guys and they opened up my world and, and I would be uh, selfish and remiss if I didn't show them some love too. Um, but yeah, if you're in the North Texas area or surrounding states, I travel and you're interested in, in mastering the fundamentals and being able to do everything safely and with precision and speed. Um, you know, I, I'd love to train with you. I'd love to show you. And, and I train all, all class sizes. So yesterday I was training a, a husband and a, and a wife and, you know, with you, I train full class sizes. So um, that's what I do. And that's what I take pride in mastering the fundamentals, shooting with precision and speed. Yeah. Um, so check it out. Love to help. And uh, again, you know, if you're, you're here because of Daniel, just know that the only reason why I'm here and the only reason why he and I know each other is for no reason other than the kindness of his heart. He pinged me and just sent me a message and said, Hey, you've, you've put your website in your Instagram thing wrong, do it here. And then people can link directly to it. And I, to this day, I couldn't believe because you just don't see that selflessness much. <laughs> there was no personal interest in, in it whatsoever. And I'm very grateful. So thank you, Daniel. I was grateful. I was grateful. Uh, Chris returned that tenfold, a uh, hundredfold, by the way. Uh, the instruction was great. And, and and Chris just did a bunch of things for, for me and my friends, you know, free of charge just because I helped him out. He returned the favor um, and it was a great course. Excellent um, instruction. I highly recommend Chris. And thank you so much for your time, you know, hopping, hopping on the podcast. I hope it serves you well. You guys really need to go check this guy out and listen to what he has to say because it is it is fantastic information. This guy knows what he's doing. And my pleasure, man. And I hope next time you, you take your shirt off. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Very good. So uh, I'm going to do my outro, Chris. So uh, 
Uh, thanks again. And you guys listening, uh, be sure to check out trainlikearanger.com. We have workout programs, nutrition programs. We have merch and apparel and much more on the agenda. Uh, also, be sure to check out Chris again. Uh, really knows his stuff. Remember to train to your utmost potential like a ranger.